0: Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr, J.D. Hall, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm Alex Burr, once again going solo. Um, J.D. and I... I'll be honest with this new job, there's been a lot of scheduling conflicts and JD's been under the weather. So I figured in the interest of getting a podcast out there and getting the Western Conference has been absolutely wild
1: lately. Um, I did not want to go two weeks in between podcasts. So all the um, first round series
0: in the West are over. So I figured we could recap those and also kind of preview again, kind of do what I did on the last monologue where I kind of previewed a little bit the first round. Um, and then hopefully by the time JD and I record second round, will be close to wrapping up and we'll kind of have a picture of the, uh, the West finals. I JD will have some interesting takes for our next spot. I want to get his done. If Mitchell takes, I want to get his bucks takes, but I, I want to get my bucks takes off real quick. Um,
1: that was an embarrassment, no matter what way you want to call it. And listen, Giannis had his quotes at the end of the year, or at the end of um, Game Five. And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, he had the press conference where um, he, Eric Nem,
0: the Bucks reporter, asked him about failure, or was the season a failure? And the whole conversation on social media and on inside the NBA kind of got construed in a, in a real interesting way, I'm not gonna lie. But I think it kind of took away from what the original point was and probably should be, and was the Bucs' season a failure? And absolutely it was. And yes, Giannis did get hurt, Giannis did miss two games, but the Bucs did win game two without Giannis. Um, Giannis played in game four and the Bucks lost. Giannis played in game five. And the Bucks lost. If you're out there, you're healthy enough to play, first and foremost. Second of all, the way the Bucks collapsed in Game 5 was an absolute monstrosity. Now, I want to say first, I if I recorded this before I knew about Mike Budenholzer's brother, I would probably have been 10 times harsher on him. I understand the scope of the tragedy. Um probably makes it a lot harder to do your job. So I empathize with him on that regard. How Stephen A. Smith voice, however, (laughs) um, it's a little early in the morning for me to try out my Stephen A. impression. I I think I have a pretty decent one.
1: Um, I think that not calling a timeout when your team is
0: in disadvantageous situations multiple times, Especially when your team is crumbling like that. Again, this is gonna sound callous, but if if you're not in a mental state to be coaching, you have guys on your bench. Charles Lee is a very highly regarded assistant coach. I don't think they're gonna be like, hey, you know, Charles Lee lost us this series. You if you need the time to grieve, grieve. And I understand, you know, like a lot of people view the their jobs as an escape
1: during times of grief. But I, th- I think that if you're not in the right mental state, I think
0: you should not be putting yourself in a position where you could be, especially in a job like this, where your decisions are costing your team, is costing your team a potential finals
1: win. With a guy in his prime, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is, um, I mean, the best, I I would say the best player in the world,
0: but right now the best player in the world is probably in California and, um,
1: that's, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, it's, I, I empathize with him. I do, but the the ending of that game, ending of that series left a really sour taste in my mouth. Um. And I, I want I want to not bash him. A lot of people bash, but but
0: he kind of... his coaching decisions kind of bring it on himself, and they lose every single time they lose. This point has been made over and over again. and it's a, it's a good one. Every time they lose, it's the exact same way. It's a barrage of threes. <laughs> what happened against Toronto? <laughs> barrage of threes. What happened against? Um, Miami, barrage of threes in 2020. What happened against Boston? Barrage of threes. They really should have beaten Boston last year Um, in six. After game five, game five was such a statement win in Boston last year. They should have made the conference finals. And who knows what happens? Maybe Miami beats them in the Eastern Conference finals with no Middleton. But they probably should have beaten Boston. And then, you know, this year... What happened? Barrage of threes and Jimmy goes crazy. Miami couldn't make a three to save their lives in the regular season. And now they freaking do now. They're like elite three point shooting team. I kind of was like, listen, I know that they're slumping right now, but I don't believe it. I, I know they'll start making threes when it counts. And sure enough, <laughs> would you look at that? They are. Um, When the lights turn the brightest, that means the heat are making their threes which is exactly what I would expect from the Miami Heat. But Giannis also deserves some culpability. Chris Middleton deserves some culpability. But really the only guy I would not be mad at coming out of that series is Brook Lopez. But even then, one of the, Miami's biggest adjustments was drawing him out of the paint. Um, Brooke killed it on offense. So I can't really be mad at him for anything. I think if Giannis makes five more free throws if he makes 60% of his free throws in game five the series is going six and then who knows at that point I still think Miami probably wins in six Um,
1: but to bring it back to the original point losing in five no one seed has ever lost to an eight seed that convincingly every time they've won at least two games
0: so to lose that way It's just utterly
1: embarrassing, especially when you could talk yourself into. So you go through the rosters. Like you just line up rosters side by side and you take Hero out of the equation. Let's just take Giannis and
0: Hero out. okay? let's just say they both don't play the whole series. You take Jimmy first. I don't think that's out of the question. You probably take Bam second. You might take Drew second. You might take Bam second, one of the two. Okay, but those those two go two, three, okay? After Bam, who are you taking on the Heat next? I'm taking Lopez, I'm taking Portis, I'm taking a lot of bucks before I'm taking a Heat player, but the Heat still won, because the Heat, first of all, Spolstra is probably a top two coach in the league, I think it's him and Lou. Um, And Lou, by the way, I think coach circled around Monty Williams again.
1: (laughs) That's neither here nor there. I'll talk about that later. Um, I think that Spolstra pants
0: butt again, I mean, which he's done pretty much every time except for 2021. But 2021, um, that Heat team was pretty subpar. Probably the worst Heat team we've seen in the last five years. I think they knew coming into that season they didn't have a shot after, you know, three months of rest off of the title run when Jimmy, like, We've all seen that photo, the one where he's slumped over the um. I don't I don't even know what you'd call that, but the, the one in the finals when he's just so beat up from playing forty eight minutes a game in the twenty twenty finals. He, he you knew it was going to take a while to recover, and they didn't recover in twenty twenty one. Um, the Heat. Only two people, by my count, were taking the Heat any kind of seriously. Only two national. Sports pundits. Um, Bill Simmons was taking the heat incredibly seriously. And then. My, Net, Parks and Recreation writer. Mike Schur. Who appears on Dan Levitard show. And also I think appeared on the Simmons podcast. To talk about the heat. And how scared he was of the heat. And now they're up 1-0 on the Knicks. Um, those are the only two people. Who have been talking about how scared they are of the heat. Even the Levitard podcast. Who are famously. Pro heat um, pro Miami. They haven't even been they've been talking about how disappointed they are in the heat. They haven't even been talking about how like scary the heat are. So it's been an interesting little conversation to have about the Bucks. I think if I'm Milwaukee, I'm going into the off. I, I think we'll have a longer conversation about Milwaukee when there's more time to talk about more teams. But I, I just wanted to talk about that because I, I know I was really high on them. And I am really disappointed in them. And I think that they deserve to be held to account. And the season was unequivocally a failure. And like I said, a lot of parties can be
1: held to account. Um, I'll be interested to see where they go from here. So as for the Western conference, I might as well start in the most depressing place.
0: I, most depressing for me as a fan of this guy, as a fan of basketball, um, Kawhi Leonard tore his meniscus. Um, but we, what we as fans thought was that he, um, he just had a little knee injury. That's what the um, the Clippers were coming out and saying they were just playing a little subterfuge and saying you know he was listed as doubtful between games. He he really tore his meniscus. <laughs> Um I think Kawhi might be done. Well let me just say the Clippers lost in five um after I came out and proclaimed <laughs> that they were going to win in six. Um The Suns won game three, one twenty nine, one twenty four, one game four, one twelve, one hundred, then one game five, one thirty six, one thirty. Um it was a complete I actually The Sun struggled a lot more than they should have But let me me go back to Kawhi real quick This is incredibly Unfortunate for the NBA Um, I think that there's some guys that just Make the league better When they're in it And I think he's one of those guys He's got incredible footwork He's an incredible scorer He's honestly like one of the true Kobe I think there's a few Kobe throwbacks Like I think
1: DeMar is one of them I think um I really think the two that got it down the best though are Kawhi and
0: Booker. I think Booker has the crown right now because he can stay healthier, but Kawhi is I mean Kawhi is just better than Booker when he can be on the floor, but I don't think Kawhi I just being realistic, he just it
1: took him basically a year and some change to come back from To come back from the uh, ACL.
0: And now he has a meniscus. In his other knee. I just I don't know the path. For him to come back. And be a viable NBA player anymore. And especially with his injury concerns. And injury history. Everyone complains about his load management. And I, I understand. Right like it's. You don't want your stars to be resting. As much as they do. But he um unlike a lot of those other guys, I'd say he actually needs it. And he's like one in the class where if he doesn't sit, I think you could argue that this injury was
1: caused by he, after December 5th, he only sat for like 12 games out of 60. Um, so he played in 80% of the games after December 5th,
0: pretty good ratio. Um, Everyone's complaining like, oh, he only plays in 60% of the games. He really had his pedal to the metal this year. Um, I think he ended up playing in like 50 some games, which compared to what we thought coming into this season is really high number. He just. I don't think he can keep doing this to himself if he's just going to keep getting hurt and he's going to keep getting hurt. I think at some point you just got to realize, hey, you just got to like brush your hands off, especially if you're the Clippers. Now, the problem is, I think he's on the books for another couple years. Um, but he's he's an all-time great what he did in 2019 can never be rec- replicated one of the best defensive players of his era but I, I think it's just time to call his spade a spade I just don't think he can I don't think he can play anymore Um. now I'll say what the Clippers did without Paul George and without Kawhi in those last three games Russell Westbrook Played like an MVP. Or played like MVP Westbrook. I think those were some of his best playoff performances. Now. I. You didn't want Russ to play like that necessarily. If you're the Clippers. You wanted to lean on. You wanted him to play like he played on game, in game one. Where he was more off to the side.
1: Where he was making plays on defense. I thought he was incredible in the series. Um, he's going to be. I think I would be surprised if he's not a Clipper again next year, because who knows if Kawhi
0: comes back? Him and PG have incredible chemistry. And it was really good to see him play well. And I thought the real story of the Clippers was Norman Powell. Um, Now, (laughs) was it Norman Powell looking great? Or was it the Suns defense being Swiss cheese? I think I'm going to go with the Suns defense being Swiss cheese. Norman Powell for the series averaged 22 points a game on 47, 41. I'm going to round up to 41, even though it's 40.6,
1: 77%. Um,
0: so let's, how many did he average for the last three, last three games? So he only had 14 in the last game, but 42 in game three, 27 in game five.
1: Um, pretty good. 69 points in two games. Now, again, game four was not his best performance, but Russ showed out in that game. It's...
0: I, I'm a little down on the Suns. We'll talk more about that in the um Suns-Nuggets series. I, I'm going to save... The first round series, I'm more going to talk about the team that lost. And then in the um second round series, I'll talk more about the teams that advanced because I think this
1: the first round I'll just I think it'll be better to devote that time to the teams that lost Um. I think the Clippers do need to reshape some things but I think their guard rotation is pretty set
0: and I think if I was going to keep some players I don't know if Russ is a 100% keep but he was pretty good in the series Um. I'd keep Powell I'd keep man I'd keep I'd probably keep Gordon, although he's on the older side. Um, I'd keep Zubach, and I'd keep Batum. Other than that, I don't know if I'm
1: 100% committed to anybody on this roster.
0: And I think that you got a little bit of a squad here, but not like 100% of a squad. But they took advantage of the Suns' lack of depth, and they really pushed them to the limit. In Game 3, they broke out for the last... um, I think JD and I talked about this. So I think we did talk about Game Three. I think we recorded
1: after Game Three. Um, in Game Three, they uh, there was this lineup that they broke out. It was like Powell,
0: Westbrook, Gordon, Man, and Bones, <laughs> and it really confused the hell out of the Clipper, out of the Suns. And this is why Lou is so great. He just is willing to throw stuff out there and see if it sticks, and it stuck. And they went with that pretty much the whole quarter. Um, looking at the stats for the fourth quarter. So, sorry, that's the... um. There we go. So, Norm Powell played the whole quarter. Russ played nine. Eric Gordon played nine. Man Bones played nine. The only other two guys to play were Marcus Morris and Mason Plumlee. They only played two two minutes and two minutes respectively. Well, I'm going to round up to three for both of them. But the point is, those
1: two guys, they played five guards basically the whole quarter and they almost pulled it out so
0: again i'm a little concerned about phoenix but i'll talk more about that in a bit
1: um let me talk quickly about the wolves the wolves series um i think when jd and i recorded that last episode it was
0: not looking good for the boys in Minnesota, and I think it was 3-0. And then they pulled off another game, but by the skins of their teeth. Yeah, and then they lost game five, or they won game four, 14-108, and then lost game 5 one zero nine. 1-12-109. Listen, there's two things to take away from this series. I thought Torrey and Prince looked really good, just being honest. um. 38% from three. <laughs> what I wanted. Actually, three things to take away from this series. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, I think, finally found a home. Um, New Orleans wasn't his home. Utah wasn't... Or Portland wasn't his home. Portland wasn't his home. Because <laughs> I think he stopped in Portland at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, and then... Or no, it was just Utah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought he bounced to Portland. Um, And then... Still, New Orleans, Utah, then Minnesota. He finally found a home. And then Anthony Edwards, I think, is officially here. Um, The Nuggets don't have the best guard stoppers, I would say, but they're not like the... KCP is probably about as good as you can get in today's NBA. I don't think you can really do much better than him. Um, And Ant scored 31.6 points a game, five rebounds, five assists, 1.8 1.8 steals, two blocks. <laughs> okay. That's actually insane. <laughs> like, just full stop. I think he had a game with, like, four blocks that might have inflated those numbers. I'm going to actually check, because Basketball Reference now has this little nifty
1: last five games. No, he. I mean, three blocks, three blocks, but he had a block in every game. Um, He was killing it on defense. He was killing it on offense, playing 40 minutes a game. Um... Listen, he's and only eight turnovers in five games, so what, that's less than two a game compared to five assists. He's the man on this Minnesota team. And I, I, when we watch these young guards, there's not a lot
0: of them that you can say, oh, like especially two guards, right? Two guards take longer. I mean, you can come in and be like, Like, Donovan Mitchell, right? I think there's a difference between Ant and Donovan Mitchell. First of all, Ant's significantly bigger than Mitchell. I think Ant's got, like, three inches and probably... Mitchell's pretty stocky. I'd say probably, like,
1: 20 pounds on Mitchell. I'll give Mitchell... Mitchell's pretty strong, but... Ant's got something that
0: Mitchell doesn't have. He's got... First of all, he just lives in the paint. (laughs) But... 43 three-point attempts in five games, that's what? Almost nine a game. That's that's a pretty good amount. But I, I feel like if that was Mitchell, Mitchell would have taken 55. <laughs> you know, Mitchell lives and dies by the three. And Ant got to the free throw line a good amount. Like, Ant just has something that a lot of young twos don't have. Like, Booker didn't have this this early. Levine does, doesn't have this this early. Jalen Green doesn't have it. Um, and I, I feel like... W- we need to slow down the brakes when we're talking about um, certain players and coaches. Oh, by the way, speaking of Jalen Green,
1: U um, Udoka, new Rockets coach, congratulations. Um, i speaking also speaking of Jalen Green, he's in trade rumors, which I think is incredibly dumb. But what do I know? Um. But back to Edwards, this is readily Edwards team, OK? And the fact, I don't think you can keep Carl Anthony Towns. I don't think. Listen, this was Carl Anthony Towns' team by default for the past. I mean, really,
0: it was his team while Wiggins was here. And everyone kind of knew it. Like, he was making all NBA teams while Wiggins was there. I mean, the Wolves
1: weren't good. But he was still making all NBA teams Um, But now there's a clear hierarchy And Towns has sucked The last two playoffs That's the other thing too Now here's the conundrum You're not going to get a player As good as Carl Anthony Towns Back for Carl Anthony Towns And therein lies the problem And Rudy Gobert is also not as good As Rudy Gobert was Even two years ago and therein is another problem, and you're not gonna get people back as good as Rudy Gobert for Rudy Gobert. Um but you have good wing depth, you have like I mean Prince Anderson, um,
0: Alexander Walker right there. I don't know how much longer Conley I don't know how much left Conley has in the tank, but he looked pretty good, um, all things considered. I don't know. I, I, you just got to try something different next year because I, I probably would try something sans Gobert looking for another, like, I don't know, maybe like Mikhail Bridges type scorer, someone who's like a secondary scorer, but not like commands the whole offense. You just need someone to relieve the pressure off of Ant, but who isn't going to want to take, because Ant, so 114 shots in five games. I'm going to do the math because that's, that's more than 20 shots a game. I'm, that's about...
1: 114 divided by five, that's 20, that's almost 23 shots a game. You ideally don't want him taking that much
0: (laughs) 20 is more preferable. And when you add in the eight free throws a game, that's 27 shots a game,
1: which actually is in the superstars sweet spot. Um, But still, I, I think that. Ant is. You need to get him some help scoring wise. Because they were competitive with Denver in a lot of these games. But I don't think that this team is equipped to... Um, I just don't think this team is equipped to
0: hang with the uh, the big dogs until they get some scoring help. And Kat, I don't think is that guy in the playoffs. And it sucks to say. But we've seen over and over again it just isn't happening. Last two years. And it's not like this Denver team, Denver is a little bit harder than Memphis to score on, but he, he just hasn't shown up. And I, I think it's, I think it's time. We'll see what they do in the offseason. I'm really intrigued. Um, on to who do I want to talk about next? I want to talk. Do I want to talk Memphis or do I want to talk LA or Sacramento? I think I'll save Sacramento for last because I got really nice things to say about them and I don't have nice things to say about Memphis. <laughs> Um the last time we talked about Memphis I believe it had just been game Oh sorry they were playing game 3 that night so it was only 1-1 Um so the Lakers won the series 4-2 Um Lakers won game 3 111-101, one game 4 17-111, game 5 sixteen ninety nine. Won game six, 125-85. And game three was not that close either, by the way. Game three, John Morant scored, went apeshit in the second half after they only scored nine points in the first quarter. Um, <laughs> J.D. and I talked pretty in-depth about this Grizzlies team while it was spiraling in the regular season. But man, Dylan Brooks...
1: <laughs> talk about writing checks that you can't cash. Because in this series, Dylan Brooks
0: averaged a whopping 10.5 points a game on a whopping 31% from the field.
1: 31! Now, LeBron, you know, this is a pretty tame series for him. Only 22 points a game.
0: But he didn't need to average 27 a game for them to advance. He, 80 averaged 21. D'Angelo Russell averaged 17. Reeves averaged 17. Hachimura averaged 15 a game. They got pretty balanced scoring across the board. They didn't need to... um, They needed Brooks' scoring more than the Lakers needed LeBron scoring, um, first and foremost. So when you come at the king, you best not miss, and you're not the guy to come at the king. (laughs) Um, The Grizzlies' lack of inside depth, I think, really showed in this
1: series. I thought that just first of all, like, it was pretty bad that they couldn't, like, the Grizzlies just, I knew from the start, like, my inkling on the
0: series was that AD was going to dominate inside. And how many blocks did he finish with? 26 <laughs> in six games. So that comes out to 4.3 blocks a game. <laughs> um, He just dominated the interior in a way... Thirteen point seven rebounds. LeBron averaged eleven. So twenty five between the two of them.
1: I mean, just absolutely crushed the glass. Um, it was no doubt in my mind
0: that the Lakers were going to dominate the inside paint in this series. I'm actually going to pull up to clean the glass real quick. But I think part of the problem was with people's problem with Memphis is their bravado, and they feel like they um they didn't deserve. The um, the bravado they had, which I can kind of understand to an extent, a little bit, but I think that when it comes to, I guess when it comes to, trying to find the right, right way to phrase this, if you talk and you back it up, then like Steph, right? Steph talks crazy amounts of shit. But he can always back it up because he is one of the greatest, like seven or eight players of all time. These guys aren't Steph, and when it backfires in their face, uh, things go horribly for them. So Memphis shot fifty-eight percent from the um, paint in the playoffs. The only team's worse for them, worse than them in the whole like postseason because cleaning the glass thankfully counts um,
1: like the whole of the postseason where the Raptors. And the Thunder, two teams that didn't even make the playoffs. So
0: it's been, a, and by the way, short mid-range, um, 4 to 14 feet, also con- what I would consider the paint, 36%. So they're really abysmal from... They really couldn't buy a shot anywhere, but especially from the interior, they were just getting shut down. I don't know what the solution is because they have three guys who objectively can get you buckets i I mean i know what the solution is steven adams and brandon clark if they were healthy things change a a lot in my opinion because those two guys give you dynamic inside threats that you didn't have but i still think ad was a freaking
1: monster in this series ad is probably the best defensive player in the league right now i don't really think i can't really make a case for anyone else um but that's, that's besides the point. I think Memphis needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror.
0: They need to add some big boys in that room. <laughs> like they need to, I thought one of their most fun seasons was when they had Jay Crowder. And I know they traded Jay Crowder, but he was like an adult in that room, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill. And that you could tell, like with the adults in the room, like they were kind of playing free, but they also, you know, you could kind of tell like the purpose was there. And once those guys were gone, like, Steven Adams is not much older than John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Like, you think he's only, like, five years older. Steven Adams is in the 2013 draft. Jaron Jackson was in the 2018 draft. So, it's not like there's too much separation between those guys. Jay J- J Crowder's in his, like, mid-30s. Like, not mid-30s. in his, his, his early 30s. So, he's, there's a good amount of separation between him and those young guys. You know, Solomon Hill, I don't know how old Solomon Hill is off the top of my head. But, you know, the... <sighs> you can't just have a team full of young guys and they brought in Danny or they had Danny Green on their team, but they were just like, nah, this isn't working. and they traded him. And I, I'm of the belief that veterans are important to a young team to give like guidance and like, Oh, Hey, you know, this is the way things need to be done. And this team has no like real other than Adams. Adams is their oldest player. I don't, think they have any guys older than Adam, like any pff, real experience outside of Adams. And it's... And any guys that played really anywhere big outside of Adams other than Kennard, but Connard's only... Kennard was drafted one year before Jackson. Kennard and Dylan Brooks were in the same draft class. Kennard and Dylan Brooks... Kennard and Dylan Brooks played against each other in that um, Coach K game where he yelled at Dylan Brooks. <laughs> so... It's just, listen, I, something needs to change in Memphis. I don't know what can, but it's going to be interesting to see how they approach this offseason. Um, Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies general manager, I saw he uh, Chris Harrington put out a tweet from the, one of the Memphis beat writers. He put out a tweet that said basically that they regret going in with all youth approach, and I could not agree more. I kind of questioned it going into the season. I was like, why are you doubling down on the... I don't think I said it, but I was like, why are you getting rid of Melton? Why are you getting rid of Anderson? Um, Those guys were good players. And Zaire Williams struggled more this year. Um, They kind of took a step back this year. Melton is really thriving in Philadelphia. By the way, James Harden, 45 last night, and Melton really was a contributor in that. Um, Kyle Anderson also, I brought him up in the Minnesota segment. I just really think that they kind of, to use a Zach Griffith favorite, they kind of bungled um, this offseason. And I think I really think they should have approached this off let's pass off season as a title contender because I really think they should look at themselves that way. I really do. This West was kind of wide open. And I, I Denver deserved respect. Denver deserves respect. We'll talk more about the Nuggets when we talk about the Suns. But I think that what you have to understand from the Grizzlies perspective is that Ja is so injury prone. Something can happen. Something catastrophic can happen at any moment, right? Jaron Jackson, um, if he figures it out, my goodness, you know, Desmond Bain is such a rock solid scorer. Um, this team honestly reminds me of the Bulls, the twenty like eleven Bulls, right? But what did that Bulls team do? They added pieces around Rose, right? Where Rose, you know, wins MVP. They have Luol Deng. They have Joakim Noah. Um, Joakim Noah... Luol was pretty old... Uh, not old, but Luol was, like, in his prime at that point. But they have Joakim, a Defensive Player of the Year candidate. They have um Derek Rose, you know, one of the best young players in the league. They have Luol Deng. And this comparison... Rose, Ja, um, Bane, Lou, or Joe, Jared. I really think they have something special here. I just don't think they grasp it. And I think they need to be aggressive this summer and they need to go in with the intent of winning a championship. And if they go in with that intent and they add the requisite pieces, I think it is within their grasp. Now, will they do that? (laughs) Will Dylan Brooks still be a Grizzly? If Dylan Brooks is still a Grizzly next year, this will not happen, by the way. (laughs) Um, I really like what he brings. I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. I don't think he is that guy that will bring them over the top. I think he's a guy that can get you to that next level. I don't think he's... I think he's the Mark Jackson of players. Like how Mark Jackson brought the Warriors to that level, um, but didn't get them over the hump, right? Like I think that Dylan Brooks might be that for players where like he can raise your intensity level, but once you get to that... Once you get to that level, you need someone to push you over the hump. And I think you need to upgrade that Dylan Brooks spot. Now, the question is, who are you going to get? That's better than Dylan Brooks. Um, That's the million dollar question, but that's why I'm not making the big bucks. So climb and figure that out. And lastly, we have the Sacramento Kings um, darlings of the NBA season go out in a heartbreaking seven game series. Um, I don't remember the last I think the Warriors or sorry. No, I think when the um the last time JD and I recorded, I think the Warriors won game 3. If I'm not mistaken, I'm going to check the dates. Um yeah, so the Warriors won game 3 um the last time JD and I recorded. So since then, the Warriors won game 4 in Sacramento 126-125, won game 5. It's or sorry, they won game 4 in Oakland game 126 125 one 125, game four and game five in Sacramento. I can talk really well today. Um, 123 116. Sacramento wins in Golden State 118.99 and then Golden State closes out in Sacramento 120 100 behind a Steph 50 burger.
1: Um, so first of all, I just want to say it's impressive that the worst road team in the league probably.
0: The worst railroad team, because the, wor- the only teams worse than them on the road were, like, the shitty teams. The worst railroad team in the league won two road games against probably, I'd say, a top four West team. If I was going to rank the teams out West, I'd definitely have the Kings uh, in that four. Um, they won two road games in a really tough environment. I- and the Kings deserve a ton of credit for how, really, the last three games... <laughs> If you wanted to predict how this series would have gone, you really could have said home, home, home for all the games, but really it went home, 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 road, road, road. <laughs> so first and foremost, um, you want to talk about players arriving like I did with Anthony Edwards. De'Aaron Fox is here. He's here. He's He's the man. And I've been saying he's the man. I lost a little bit of faith last year. I'm not going to lie. Last year was not his 2021. 22 was not his best year. Okay. But I didn't. But I still had a, a lot of his stock. I was never off of deer and Fox Island and he is still that man. Okay. He played incredible this series. Um, He was 27 points a game. The efficiencies weren't great, but he also broke his finger. In the middle of the series. So I think that's. You could probably explain. Like I'm just going to pull up his shooting. Or I'm going to pull up his game log. <laughs> so game. Game three. Um, nine of twenty two. Game four. His last healthy game. Fourteen of thirty one. Almost fifty percent. And then last three games. Nine of twenty-five, ten five. Ten of eighteen. When they won. Not
1: too bad. And then five of nineteen in game seven. So. Kind of what you'd expect. Um, I just thought him getting to the paint, his control of the game was incredible. Um he really has nothing
0: to hang his head about. The Kings, except for two guys, I think, have nothing to hang their heads about. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you all three guys. One, I think it was despicable that Mike Brown didn't play Davion Mitchell in game seven. Davion Mitchell, you draft Davion Mitchell for this purpose, this purpose only, to stop a guy like Steph Curry to guard. A guy. And then I, I know. Okay, I was watching. I watched a lot of those games. This is this is a series I probably had my eye the closest on. I, I'll admit I haven't watched Game Seven all the way. I watched a good amount of it at work.
1: Um, you draft Davion Mitchell for a thing like this, okay? Why is he on the bench?
0: He should be guarding their best player. Um. He should be the one who is shutting Steph down. And I, I really just thought it was bad that he wasn't out there. I don't know. I could be wrong. Um, but Davion, I listen, I'm a little biased here because I did watch him absolutely obliterate everyone, not named Jalen Suggs, in the um in the Final Four in 2021. And I, I'll admit, like, he wasn't perfect on Steph in the series, but he was gonna slow, like you can't guard Steph, right? Just like you can't guard Jokic, you can't guard Giannis, but you can slow them down, okay? You can make them work a little harder. And Steph, I don't think was going to be denied in that game. But with Steph, you could have made his life a little harder. And it's not like Davion was going to not shoot. Davion's a good shooter. Um, He's not a great shooter, but he's confident enough to pull up with, or spot up when he's open. I, I just don't understand it. Um, I know Monk was the hot hand. I don't, I would have rather played him than Davis. So that's first and foremost. Um, so bonus. (laughs) Listen, man, every, every complaint I've had about this guy in the postseason just came true. And I know he's, he's a little
1: hurt. Um, the stomp just, um, was, you know, it it might've impacted him a little bit. I'm not going to
0: act like it probably didn't. But he wasn't great before that either. He was pretty bad <laughs> in games one and two. Or sorry, in game one. Um, it wasn't pretty. And his defense, listen, the Warriors didn't really take full advantage of his defensive deficiencies in a way that like the Lakers would have or the Grizzlies would have. If they played the Grizzlies in the first round, my goodness, it would have been a four game sweep. I'm just going to be honest. A team that
1: put pressure on the rim, um, it would have been game over, but in all honesty and all actuality,
0: um, where his deficiencies really shown were on the offensive end. A lot of guys that have his three-point deficiencies can still at least shoot mid-range jumpers. What the Warriors did were like, you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to make us honor your mid-range shot. And he wasn't even like hitting half of those.
1: They were just like, nah, homie, you're gonna You're gonna be wide open. From 15 feet. And you're just going to. We're just going to live with that. And he's like. Sometimes you're just like. Okay. Um.
0: But it totally killed. their dribble handoff actions. Um, They just didn't even. Treat him
1: as a threat. And. Their dribble handoffs. Were completely dead. It. it
0: honestly. Like. It was really smart from the Warriors to just completely suffocate Sabonis out of the out of the action, out of the like basically out of the whole of the series. And a lot of their offense was predicated around like the Kings had a really top half court offense in the league. Um, But a lot of it was predicated around Sabonis, you know, having the ball a lot and, and facilitating. You take that. Action away, you take those actions away, and what do you have? You have just the guy standing around out there with the ball, and he's not, like, wiggly enough to get into the paint. Every time he tried to get into the paint, every time he put the ball on the floor, Looney, or Draymond, by the way, Looney, oh my, I'm just gonna say it now. Looney is probably, he might be the best playoff center we have in the league that's not named Jokic
1: or Embiid. Like, we need it. Push comes to shove. Who do you want? He literally has the perfect playoff skill set. He can guard the perimeter. He can pass. He can rebound. He offensive rebound. Okay, he does so many things well for you that it's like, what, who else is doing all this for you? Like. He honestly, if he was not in Golden State, he would be making like 20 million a year. And. It would he would be worth it. he's honestly the perfect playoff center. I think he's probably at this point, he's as valuable to the Warriors as at least Clay. Because. I,
0: I, I'm not saying you can get what you can get from Clay out of Moody, because I don't think you the shooting, I don't think you can get from Moody. But the defense, man, I want to see Moody with 30 minutes a game. That kid is, could be special. And I don't know why they're not playing him more. When he was playing in game six and game seven, from what I saw, he, good stuff was happening. And I've been high on him since Arkansas. You can ask Caleb. Because Caleb and I talk, Like I'll find pet guys in the draft. I'll, like I remember watching a random Arkansas game in 2021. I was like, hey, who's this kid on Arkansas, Moody? He's like, oh, yeah, he's really good. He's going to get drafted real high. I'm like, I like this guy. He's going to be good. And I've been high on him ever since, and I don't know why. I understand why Kuminga gets shelved. Um, his highs are really high, but his lows are really low. But Moody, I, I just, man, if he was on another team, he'd be, if he was on the Grizzlies, if you put him in that Dylan Brooks spot, it would be so much better. And, and I digress. I digress. We got to get back to the Kings. <laughs> okay. So Sabonis you cut him out of those actions, right? You you neutralize him. And what do the Kings have left? <laughs> it's not like, oh, hey, you know, haha, we're going to... um, We have such a diverse offense. Like, Fox is good enough to make stuff happen on his own, right? Monk had an incredible series, and I think we should talk about that too. Monk was in absolutely on a heater this series, and if they don't have that, they're not in a lot of these games. But I think that what gets lost is that you needed those games because you're supposed you're... Sabonis is probably going to be the guy on this team that makes
1: All-NBA. And I don't think that I wasn't happy. I think
0: I haven't disclosed my All-NBA teams yet. At some point, I'm going to have to because it's going to be too... They're going to be disclosed before... um... They're gonna be disclosed
1: after the awards are announced. But I think that it's not reflective. Even I think I have Sabonis as my third team center. But it's not reflective of who the King's best player is.
0: It's just a reflection of who you have to vote for. And I think that Sabonis
1: Um just It's tough. It's tough, and I don't think you can win with that guy as
0: one of your best two players in a playoff series. But here's the here's the million-dollar question again. Who can you get that's better than him? And I think with Brooks, you can find maybe... Like, Brooks for the Grizzlies, I think that's a little easier than finding an actual center who's better than Sabonis. I think you can find guys that fit better than Sabonis, right? Ironically, <laughs> a guy who would be great on this team is Miles Turner. But... I don't think with their... Uh, My, Mike Brown would love Miles Turner first and foremost. But I, I think that um, the way their offense runs, I don't think they would probably want him in that system. But that, that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I just feel like it's tough. And we're going to have to see how they improve in the offseason. A um, real quick shout-out to Trey Lyles, too. I thought that guy was done in the NBA. I was surprised when he was on the Kings roster and now it sounds like he's going to be a pretty permanent part of their roster for a couple of years to come. Cause he's a, he's a free agent, but I, I can't imagine a world where they don't resign him. It sounds like he wants to come back and I'd have to imagine they want him back. Like he fits pretty seamlessly there. I, I always liked him coming out of Kentucky. Um, he's long, he's got, he's skilled. And they found a role. He was a pretty good playoff player for them this year. Like, as a small ball five, I didn't think he was going to be. But he was pretty good this year. So, I want to shout out him um, because I'm about to rip this next guy to shreds. As much as I love this guy. Not rip him to shreds. It was 2016 all over again in the Bay Area. Because Harrison Barnes stunk up the joint. Like, I'm sorry. Again, spade Fade. spade. Um, Harrison Barnes in this series shot...
1: 42% from the field, 24% from three, 11 points a game, 3.4 rebounds. That's pretty
0: much what happened the last time he was on the Golden State roster. I'm sorry, you need more, like, you need more from that. More than that, from, at the very least, you need him to make his threes. Six for 25 from three is not going to cut it. Um, Keegan Murray kind of was... Invisible for half the series and ended up making 30, ended up at 38%. Kevin Herter also only made 20% of his threes, which was actually kind of insane. Um, it was not the best three point showing for the Kings, but I think that Barnes, the other guys you can kind of
1: chalk up to use an inexperience, right? Like it's not like the biggest deal in the world. What's the, um... What's Barnes's excuse? And I mean, even to an extent, what's Herder's excuse? Herder played
0: in some. Herder basically beat the Sixers by himself in game seven. Um, I, when. I, I'm pretty sure that was Herder, right? Because I think. I'm going to look up, um, Sixers, Hawks game seven. But he balled out in that game, if memory serves. Hawks, Sixers game seven. Forgive me. Um, but he was pretty bad in this series too. So let's see. (sighs) Come on, I didn't want the series page. There we go. Um, Kevin Herter had 27 points in a clutch game seven. Where was that? This whole series. So he he deserves a little bit of flack too because he was pretty great. And listen, this is just the first round series, man. You played a lot better in a lot higher pressure situations. Is it because you're a bigger part of the team? He's not even like, I would say a bigger part of the team now. He was pr- it's pretty much in the same spot in the hierarchy in, I know in Atlanta, it was a lot of fluctuating roles, but that year he was in a pretty solid spot in the hierarchy. And I would say he's in the same spot now. Um, He just couldn't buy a bucket in this series. And Harrison Barnes, man, it just looked again, like 2016 all over again, when the Cavs were just like, okay, shoot it. Um, we don't care. And he embarrassed himself off the court and it was, listen, it would, it kind of is a self-fulfilling prophecy almost. So I think that, um, when it comes to these guys,
1: you just gotta, for the Kings in the off season, what I want to see, they need to add around the edges,
0: and I don't know. I think they need to improve at the backup five spot. I thought Alex Len was pretty good in the
1: short stints he got. But I mean, I really don't know what you should do.
0: <laughs> it's maybe a three team trade for Carl Anthony Towns ends up in Sacramento and. Um, Sabonis ends up somewhere else, like Sabonis ends up in Oklahoma City or something. And I, I don't know who ends up in. Um. Minnesota, but I, I think that's just something where you can improve that center spot. Now, your defensive issues will still be there, but you'll have a more dynamic offensive center. Um, Someone who you can't leave open like that. That's it was pretty. And every time it pissed me off watching so many of the games, because every time you put the ball on the floor, Looney and Draymond were just stripping him every single time. How many turnovers did Sabonis have? 26. So what that's for a game almost? 26 to how many t- assists? 33. So that's almost an even assist to turnover ratio. That's actually crazy. <laughs> By the way, De'Aaron's assist to turnover ratio is like less than two to one, which isn't ideal, but it's still better than that. Um, Steph in this series, I just, I'm real quick, he had 236 points for the series. The next closest Warrior was
1: 144. Um, Him and Looney... Looney had 106 rebounds. The next closest Warrior was at
0: 41. That was Wiggins. Wiggins was also hitting the glass really hard. Um, for what it's worth, but it wasn't nearly as hard as Looney, who averaged um, Moses Maloon, who averaged 15 boards a game.
1: Um, it's <laughs> man. It's it's such a weird dichotomy to see
0: a team with two guys, basically, because Draymond Draymond had one big game, like game five was pretty good for Draymond. But other than that, it wasn't like a lights out showing for him. And then the Kings were getting contributions from random guys, but it wasn't like anything like crazy. I don't know. This series was pretty weird. um But now I suppose it's time to preview the next round, um our four teams remaining, so I was wrong about the Clippers, but I think I got everything else right. <laughs> I got Lakers, Warriors, and, who is the and the Nuggets right. Obviously, I wasn't gonna get the Nuggets wrong. Um, but I was pretty confident about the Lakers and the Warriors. I was pretty confident about the Clippers too, like where that got me. Um, but hey, I'll take my victories where I can get them and I'll be self-deprecating about the losses. Um, so who do I think will win? second round so right now the nuggets are up to oh I, let me talk about that series real quick and also preview it um so suns or the nuggets won both the games in denver um i'm recording this on tuesday morning slash afternoon it just crossed 12 o'clock so it's officially
1: afternoon um denver won game one 125 107 nuggets won game two 97
0: 87 um and Jokic has been absolutely incredible. 31.5 points a game, 17 and a half rebounds. Um,
1: <laughs> Katie and Booker have been... Booker's been great. Katie's been adequate, I would say. Um,
0: I, don't, I don't think they have enough. It's my takeaway from the first two games. And I, I, let me tell you why. So when I was telling you, I talked more about the Suns in the um, Nuggets preview. It really concerned me (laughs) the amount of effort they had to exert to get past that Clippers team. If this Nuggets team played that Clippers team. They would make it a lot harder than it had to be, but because they're fooling around, right? The Suns weren't fooling around. The Suns were playing really hard (laughs) and it still took them a lot of energy and effort. Booker had a 47 point game in game six against
1: the Clippers. Thirty one. Or I think he had like a huge third quarter against the. um. So I'm going to pull up that box real quick. He had a huge third quarter against the uh,
0: the Clippers. So how many points did he have? He had 25 points in the third and they won by six.
1: Um, They don't have a bench. And now Chris Paul's hurt. I don't know if he's he'll play in game four, but or game three, excuse me.
0: But they have four days between games, so there's a chance he might play. I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I don't think the next game will be till Saturday. Right? Or I think that's Friday. Yeah. um, May 5th. So. He hurt his elbow or something, which isn't a great sign when he was only shooting (laughs) nine for 21, which actually is better than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Um. Jack Landell has played 16 minutes so far. Um, which isn't a good sign. I think Bismack Viambo also went down in the last game too, I'm pretty sure. Which is, why, which is also concerning. Um, shocker of all shockers, Diakogi and Craig threes have
1: not been going down at the same rate. I think they're one for seven combined on those triples. Um, Ayton. Has not been dominating the inside the way he should be. Only seven and a half rebounds a game.
0: And I don't think he's... He's only blocked one shot. I mean, come on. Now, KD's been cleaning up on the inside a little bit. I'm just... Part of me is concerned that they're having to exert so much energy.
1: And when you have to exert that much energy to win in the first round... I don't think... Listen... At the very least you
0: let's just say they come back and win the series against Denver, which I don't think they're going to do. Um, JD also, JD says Denver in six for the record. Um, he was going to say Phoenix in seven, but once Chris Paul went down, I think he switched sides.
1: Um, and listen, I think he would agree eight and soft and the, and he told me last night cause he and I were texting about the game. Um, Booker and KD play way too much one-on-one.
0: Way too much. Like, it's just ISO fest after ISO fest. It's not even funny. Um, now Booker was pretty good, but they don't neither of them are drawing fouls at an exceptionally big rate. Like, they combined for 56 field goal attempts yesterday and only five free throws. Um, Booker and KD. I, that's honestly. You you can see why. Because a lot of their shots are coming from the mid-range. You don't get fouled on mid-range shots. You're playing right into the nuggets' hands. <laughs> now Porter Jr. has been a pretty good rim deterrent.
1: Um He only has one block in the two games, but I, I like his activity around the rim on the weak side. I think he's a
0: real like I said, I think he's a really good rim protector. Um and I think Bruce Brown's been really good at standing KD up. Um I don't think it's a coincidence that this team was like, hey, let's go get former Nets guys. <laughs> well, I, I do think it's a coincidence because I don't think they were going to they were going to play KD. But
1: hey, it doesn't hurt. Um, so let, let me rephrase. I guess it was a coincidence. Um, Bruce Brown played pretty
0: incredible defense on him yesterday. And... Because the best defense against Katie, The guys who guard KD the best usually are shorter guys who can just get into his airspace and use their like low center of gravity to bump him off his spots um, and just hope he misses. Because usually KD will usually just shoot over you and hit it anyway. So your best bet is to just try to strip him. And... Right now the Nuggets have 19 steals compared to 6 for
1: the Suns. Um pretty good strategy. Um I I'll listen. I just think that also the Sun the Nuggets are p- deploying a pretty heavy trap strategy
0: against Booker making him the Suns play four on three <laughs> and they're obviously going to cover 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 Katie tight. There we go. <laughs> and so you're playing a three on two and your three on two is now Damian Lee Josh Akogi and DeAndre Aiden. I'm not scared of that. Are you scared of that? I don't think so. So, listen man, <laughs> it's not like the Suns are terrifying right now. I, I didn't think they were terrifying coming into the series with Chris Paul and B- Bismack Biombo. <laughs> now, if you lose one of those guys, let alone both, it is not good news for the Suns. I, I was gonna pick Suns Nuggets in five anyway. Um. But with Jokic playing like like listen, Jokic absolutely laid the smackdown on Aiden yesterday. 39 and 16 was it? Um and it didn't even look like he was trying like some of those some of those shots were kind of hard, I will grant that from Aiden. Like Aiden made him work for a couple of those, but man, just some of those the balletic footwork, the just you know Aiden, it's not gonna be the same as it was in 2021. 20, Cause now he has Murray, and Murray opens up so much for him. Murray was God awful yesterday. Like he was really good in game one and really bad in game two, but it doesn't matter because the threat of Murray being out there, Murray's mere existence changes the math for the nuggets because it opens up the floor. It makes everyone's lives easier. Okay. So you have the whole floor open. Um, now I I want to see how it looks in Phoenix, okay? But I, I don't think that this series is going. I don't think this series is going back to Phoenix. Um that's that's my prediction. I think they'll win a game. I've been joking with Caleb that it's gonna be Nuggets in three. Um But I, I don't think the series is going back to is going back to Phoenix. I, I think that the Nuggets have a winning formula here, and I really like the way They look. Um, Again, I'm going to give the Suns a chance in game four or in game three to prove their medal. And with four days of rest, I think that'll be and not being in the Denver altitude, that might change things. But listen, the Nuggets are one of the best road teams in the league. Um, It's not like this team is a scrub on the road They're not one of the best. They're one of the best road teams in the West. I think they were like 19 and 22 on the road. So. It's not like this team is a scrub on the road. Um, I think they'll be fine on the road. It's going to be fine for the Nuggets. I, I, I just don't see a way that the Suns win this series. Um, next year, they'll be more dangerous. But I, I, this year for the Suns, I, and I would be glad to be proven wrong. But I, I just don't see it. I don't see it because. I'm sorry, at the end of the day, playing 42 minutes and 40 minutes a game, Katie's 34
1: years old. Those miles rack up. Katie's 3 for 15 on threes right now. <laughs> 3 for 15.
0: I, I just... I don't see it. Um, I Again, I think Booker's a really special player. I think KD's obviously a top five player still. But man, that's that's just really tough. And I their lack of depth is coming back to bite them. And again, they can come back next year. That's why you don't make this trade in the middle of the season, though. Because this is... <laughs> Because you get these high expectations and wow, you lost in the second round. Wonder why? Because you don't have any depth and now you look really stupid. But they're not stupid because they might win the championship next year. Who, who knows? But I think that um,
1: there's a lot of different ways this can go. I, I, I'm sticking with my guns though. Nuggets and five. At the very least, nugget, like
0: at the very worst, Nuggets and six. I don't see any way the Suns win this series. Now the one I'm having a little more trouble with... Um. Now we got the last. Uh, let me preview the. Uh, or let me just give my predictions for the East series real quick. I'm going Heat and Six. Um, I don't think the Knicks got the juice like that. And I thought it was pretty telling that Jimmy was playing the last however many minutes with a turned ankle, and they couldn't take advantage. So, I I don't I think it's another massive coaching advantage. In this game, I don't really like the next chances. And then in the... In the other series, I'm taking the Sixers. I would have taken the Sixers before last night. I'm taking the Sixers still. Um, James Arden with an incredible game. Um, vintage. I, not even vintage. He's really never... Put up that much. He had 45 points with only four free throw attempts. Now, what was he? 7-14 on three? Yeah, that's, that adds up. But, man... Just absolutely stunning performance from him in a game they absolutely needed. Um, they, stole, they stole home court advantage in the very first game. They, they don't need to win game two now. now. Would it be nice to win game two? Sure. But
1: I think the Sixers, I really like their chances now of winning. I would say probably... I, I'll do the
0: Sixers in seven because I respect the Celtics a lot. Um, but once Embiid comes
1: back... You gave him. I think. I don't think Embiid plays game two now, and I don't blame him. Um, this series. I'm gonna
0: let's see when he's playing next because that's. I'm really curious. Well, okay. I don't think they're gonna um
1: have that on there, but I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that I believe um the Sixers are going to win that series. Now to my last West series, Um,
0: Lakers Warriors. (laughs) This one is really tough. I've read a lot of really intriguing arguments both ways. (laughs) And honestly, I was not impressed by the Warriors coming out of that series. Um, Clay did not look like Clay for a good majority of of that series. Pool looked really bad um, for a lot of that series. But also, I go to the other side. LeBron doesn't look. LeBron doesn't scare you the same way. LeBron doesn't scare the Warriors the way that he did in 2018, right? LeBron doesn't. LeBron's not going to do what he did in 2020, right? Was that or 2021 when he beat them, right? He's not that guy anymore. So you ha- you're on opposite ends of the spectrum here, where it's like, okay, these rosters are getting older. Uh, well, rosters. These main characters are getting older because this these aren't the same. <laughs> teams anymore like I mean the Warriors are kind of similar but not necessarily and then the Lakers obviously aren't the Cavaliers um AD is probably the scariest component if I'm the Warriors and game two is or sorry game one is tonight so I we haven't seen any of this series yet um since game seven of the Warriors series
1: was on Sunday and I think tonight will be a real tone setter but I think that the Lakers. Schroeder is a nice defender. I'm not going to say he's good. But he's a he's a better than most point guards at defense. I, Russell is a pretty bad defender. <laughs> Reeves is a decent defender. Um, I, I just don't. I thought that warrior or the Kings strategy. Uh, let me go back to
0: complimenting the Kings real quick. And I I didn't make this point about the Kings I should have. The Kings season was an overwhelming success because goddamn losing that way, losing on a 50 burger to
1: an all-time great player, the most points scored ever in a game 7 by the way. I didn't say that. Um It was just absolutely they had a lot of guts, they had a lot of toughness and tenacity
0: and they should be really proud of themselves. They they should want more, obviously. But for a franchise that hadn't made the playoffs in 16 years, 17 years, um, they have nothing to hang their heads about. Now, it's not like <laughs> the Giannis speech
1: applies more to them than it did to Giannis himself, I will say. Um, that being said, I don't think the Lakers have... To so bring it back to the Kings, the the Kings defended Steph a lot better than the Lakers, I think, can.
0: And I think that might be the deciding edge in this matchup. I, I think really it comes down to Steph versus 80 because LeBron is going to do LeBron things, but LeBron isn't also going to do 2018 LeBron things, if that makes sense. He's going to be like top of the line um, or he's going to be, you know,
1: LeBron's still a great player. Um, he's, a uh, you know, he's one of those guys that is he'll step up to the moment, but he, like the game four, right? He had 22 and 20 in game four to put away the Grizzlies in that game.
0: And basically that clinched the series. The Grizzlies won game six or game five, but we knew the Lakers won that series at that point. Like there was no doubt about it. Um, and it was pretty much just like, that was LeBron's version of a statement at this point. Cause I don't think he can come out and have that. you know I don't think he has the 40 point game in his tank anymore. Like if he does, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see it, <laughs> but I think we're done seeing that LeBron and he's 38 years old. <laughs> I don't think we can expect to see, you know, <laughs> peak LeBron anymore. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a little bit um, silly
1: let's say, to expect that. Um, we're not going to uh, see top of the line LeBron James
0: anymore. So I think I'm going to go with Warriors in six. But I wouldn't be surprised. To, I, I could really see the series going either way. Um, Now, let me go real quick. Let me revise my who makes it out of the conference, because I did this after the first round or at the end of the first round
1: preview. Um, my first round, or I think at the end of the first round, I had Buck Clippers in the finals, which
0: LOL. Um, all right, at the end of the first round preview, I did it. Now today, with more clarity,
1: I think so. I picked Denver, Golden State, Philly, and Miami. I think Philly beats Miami.
0: In five games. I think they have the dogs. <laughs> I think they can actually do it. I think they'll be the ones to contain Jimmy Butler. Not like contain him, but you know,
1: they'll actually do a better job. Um, And then I think... Denver will finally topple their demons and they will beat Golden State. Um, So Philly-Denver, the blog boys
0: playing in the NBA championship. And I have the Denver... I think... I, <laughs> No, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. I've been really adamant on this. I, I got to stick with my guns here. I just really like the Nuggets, man. I really do. Um, Jokic just looks incredible, but Embiid also. I can't sleep on him. So I'm going go to go with the Sixers. Um, but I, I'm not feeling real great about it. I could see about seven different things happening. <laughs> I know there's only eight teams left, but I, I could see a lot of... Different scenarios playing out. So, um, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, this monologue was a lot of fun. Um, I hope if you have any feedback, please leave it at Caleb one Um, if you have any nice things to say at Zach Griffith 17, if you have any, um, if you have any song requests <laughs> at JDBBM22. Um, for real, if you want to hit me and JD up, my at is at Alex 4 um, JD's I just said at JDBBM22. Um, We'd
1: love to hear from you. If you're listening to this show, reach out to us. Um, We are, you know, we're having a lot
0: of fun doing these shows. We're having a little bit of scheduling conflicts right now, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, You know, it, it just is what it is. We just have a little bit of conflicting schedules, but make sure you check out our other offerings on the running cook podcast network. Make sure you're listening to Lynn sanity who are covering the Eastern conference in more depth than I did. I think I probably spent, 15 minutes on the east side of this hour 15 so make sure you're talking make sure you um listen to linsanity they got caleb they got bryce they got zach those guys are killing it um make sure you're listening to circle city cinema i think there's going to be some stuff coming out for um may the fourth might be a star wars character draft um just keep an eye out for that make sure you're listening for um disgusting brothers with me and Zach Griffith. We didn't record last week because of the NFL draft, but make sure um, we're going to be doing a double episode this week, two bangers back to back. At, what? Four episodes left to succession. I cannot wait. And make sure you're checking out on um, facts and stats. Um, JD is wonderful podcast. And thank you all so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day.